0: Welcome to the Particular Baptist podcast on our third live debut or third live video. Um, we want to welcome you. Um, just before we dive into our topic today on our new series, I want to remind everyone: please check out our blog at theparticularbaptist.net. Here you can see on the screen we update uh, our blog weekly, and we try to put out extra content that um, we may not have discussed on the podcast, but. Um, please check that out. You can also check us out at uh, Twitter and Facebook, as you can see below. Um, and uh, with that, I will turn it over to Sean to introduce our topic and our new um, our new series today.
1: Yeah, so uh, we're probably going to take about four or five weeks to uh, go through topics in the Orthodox Catechism. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of the background and the history of this uh, today. It's not going We're not going to be going through any of the questions today, just the background. But uh, yeah, we felt that this was a good um, teaching tool, good summary that uh, we should go through, and hopefully uh, it will be edifying to you guys.
0: Yeah, so yeah, like Sean said, this month we're going to go through an Orthodox catechism. Um, here it is by Hercules Collins. It's published by Reformed Baptist Academic Press that involves, um, I think Richard Barcellus might be the yep. head of that. I don't quote me on that, but um, this is really, I guess one of the core documents um, of some of the early particular Baptists. Um, so I definitely recommend diving into this. It's not very long. It's only it's a little over a hundred pages, I think. Yeah. hundred, 19, 120 pages, something like that. It has, some of the early church creeds, Athanasian creed, and I think the Nicene creed in it as well, and some good historical background, which we pulled, a, basically pulled um, our knowledge from for today's episode. Today was from the introduction. Um, it's edited by Michael A.G. Hyken and G. Stephen Weaver, Jr. So a really good resource, um, Hercules Collins, um, providing some good um, Orthodox theology, biblical theology, especially from the particular Baptist perspective. Um, So we want to dive in today into really a a historical introduction of the document, and then we'll start to go through um, select sections of the catechism. We're not going to go through every part of the catechism, um, but we're going to pick certain sections of it to go through, um, and hopefully it will be beneficial and helpful. Um, So we're going to start with going through a brief historical overview um, of the document, and Sean's going to kick us off on that.
1: Yeah, sure. So... First, we should start off with who was Hercules Collins. Um, he was born in England and became a uh, pastor of uh, the particular Baptist church in uh, Wapping, London. And uh, we get most of the information we know about him from uh, a man named John Piggott, who preached at his uh, funeral. Um, so this is where we're getting a lot of this information from. Um, evidence exists that points to Collins being a member of the Petty France Church in London. Um, uh, where William Collins and Nehemiah Cox had taught. And if you know anything about uh, particular Baptist history, um, the Petty France Church ends up uh, being in a lot of that. So it's a, it's a fairly <laughs> famous uh, church from that era. Um, the significance of this is William and Cox are both thought to have probably written the Second London uh, Baptist Confession of Faith. It also means he probably received training from them, Collins uh, was active during the persecution of dissenters in England, and uh, Reformed Baptists would have been considered dissenters, uh, meaning uh, those who would not submit to the rule of the Church of England. This meant that preaching outside of this church would uh, spell trouble. King Charles II had been uh, persecuting dissenters, especially near the end of his reign, and all this uh, uh, was in the introduction. Uh, There's a specific quote from the introduction. Uh, during this period of time, nearly 4,000 London London dissenters were arrested or convicted for being present at what the state regarded as illegal religious meetings. So obviously that's not an insignificant amount of people, um, to be uh, arrested. And then, uh, Collins himself actually fell into trouble with the authorities for not, um, by not attending a required religious meeting by the state. Um, I believe the rule was you had to, um, basically attend an Anglican church service at least once a year. Uh, So he would have missed that and then come under, um, come into trouble. He was also imprisoned for violating the five mile act, which forbade dissenters from living within five miles of any official organized community, such as a city. So um, yeah, he he ended up spending a little bit of time in jail. Um, The state was determined to punish these dissenters who would not listen to the state listen to the state's conformity to the Church of England and it's actually during this persecution that uh, Hercules Collins is going to write and publish the uh, the Orthodox catechism um, it's published in 1680 and the persecution doesn't really end until 1688
0: yeah so yeah so you can see early on um, Baptists and this wasn't just Baptists that were being persecuted you also had, Excuse me. you also had uh, Puritans who were considered dissenters as well. Anybody who was not in submission to the Church of England or not worship under the headship of the Church of England, which was ultimately under the crown at the time and still is, uh, would be persecuted. Um, so there was severe persecution that came. Um, but then you had William III taking the throne, and then you had what was called the Act of Toleration in 1689. And what this did, it really stopped persecution um, of dissenters from the church of england but it didn't necessarily restore them actually it didn't restore them back to their original class if you will they were still treated as second class citizens um, in british society um, which was um, which although it did um, it didn't completely break their spirit it still caused trouble for them but this allowed especially particular baptists to really flourish and be emboldened to establish what they believe um and kind of solidify their common beliefs and that's really where uh this document came from the second london baptist confession of faith um it was started at the london uh general assembly where baptist uh ministers from around england particularly london came together to solidify what they believe um and Hercules Collins, the author of this catechism, was fifth on the list of signatures according to the introduction. Um, so he was one of the signers of our confession, and I and I think that's significant because um, this particular catechism can really give us an idea of what these men believed. Right? If one of the signers of the confession was um, discussing certain doctrinal matters, I think that can carry some great weight and give us an understanding or maybe even a better understanding of what these men who wrote the confession actually believed about certain topics. Um, So he was definitely one of the signers. He would go on to publish different works um, and probably through the catalyst of the act of toleration, but he really became popular among particular Baptists. Um, And so the Orthodox catechism was among those works published. So why is it that he wrote it? Um, there appear to be three reasons, and the introduction to this um, talks about this as, quote, the catechism was to function as a tool for pastoral instruction, as a polemic against false teaching, and as a plea for doctrinal unity. So um, Pastor Collins, Hercules Collins, wanted the flock of God to benefit from this. He wanted to have a document that would, I guess, um, summarize Christian faith in a way that allowed uh, the church to benefit from this doctrine. This wasn't just something only for pastors, but that they could use to teach their people. If you remember, uh, the writers of the confession did want um, the confession to not just be for the pastors, but also for their churches so that their people could understand sound doctrine. That's very important to remember. Um, a, A second reason was to combat false teaching. Um, particular Baptists struggled with uh, false teaching at the time. Um, Thomas Collier, in particular, uh, was a particular Baptist. He denied the classical teaching of the Trinity. And I'll just read a section real quick on this that he quoted. Um, he said, quote, is not, uh, is not first, as some imagine, three persons, yet one God, or three subsistings, distinguishing, though not divided. It's altogether impossible to distinguish God in this manner and not divide him. Thus to distinguish is to divide. For three persons are three, not only distinguished, but divided. Some say there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, yet not three, but one God. Let anyone judge uh, if here be not three gods, if three, then not one, end quote. So you can see he had issue with the really the Nicene view of God, um, that God is uh, one person, or God is, I'm sorry, God is three persons, one being, yet there is no division in his being as a result of these three truly distinct persons. So Hercules Collins had to deal with men like this, and even in his own circles. Um, And Thomas Collier's uh, doctrine really painted particular Baptists in a bad light. Um, You know, we see this today, people are broad-brushed, certain groups are broad-brushed, You know, if one person says something from a certain group, it's assumed that they all must believe that. Um, And that problem arose with regards to particular Baptists. So he really wanted to combat false teaching that had come up and really say this is exactly where we stand as uh, at least from his perspective on biblical truth and make it very clear where uh, he was coming from.
1: Yeah, I will note specifically with Collier, even though he started out as a as a particular Baptist once he denied the trinity all the other particular Baptists did not consider that. Yeah, I think he were. might have left. Yeah, run yeah. off his own way eventually. Yeah, um just going off a little bit with Dan said, um yes, indeed uh um Collins was writing this uh, for the purpose of um, maintaining orthodoxy. There's a quote from, the, uh, from his uh, introduction, uh, Collins' introduction. Uh, he said that because the day he lived in was uh, very gloomy and dark, full of error and heresy, which spreads more and more through the indefatigable endeavors of the maintainers of it, like an overflowing leprosy, and uh, eats as does a canker that he wanted to leave uh, his congregation with something they could benefit that could benefit both the immature and the mature Christian. And just as a, a brief aside, uh, it, if it could benefit in his day, then certainly it could be uh, benefit in ours for precisely the same reason. Um, but the final reason for the uh, publishing of this catechism was to show unity with the uh, broader reformed community um, it's important to note that the Orthodox Catechism is actually largely based off the Heidelberg Catechism. Um, there's uh, certain changes that we can we will get into, but it's it's mostly the same questions with just a just a couple of changing uh, changes. And the fact that he called it an Orthodox Catechism when it's very broadly um, uh, the same as the Heidelberg shows that he viewed the men who made the Heidelberg uh, as orthodox. He also uh, quotes in his uh, introduction that um, he felt that um, he was trying to show his unity with uh, those brethren, or not those brethren specifically, but just the, the broader Reformed uh, community. Um, the Orthodox Catechism uh, has the Apostles' Creed in there. Um, it does make uh, certain clarifications on what Collins. Uh, thought the creed was saying with uh, descending into hell, that portion of the creed and with the word Catholic. Uh, but obviously he was trying to show that he was still in the, the line of traditional Christianity that affirmed the apostles creed. Um, there are obviously also uh, major differences as it relates to baptism, given that he was a Baptist and not part of the uh, broader reform <laughs> community as it relates to that particular subject. Um, other notable changes were on the topic of laying on of hands and uh, that of hymn singing. Uh, we also see that uh, the regulative principle was playing a huge part of the catechism, and that's uh, that's honestly what drove his understanding of baptism. Um, he felt this was the appropriate application of the regulative principle because there was neither command nor example for the baptism of infants, um, obviously under, uh, the regular principle, then we should not, we should not do that. Um, and he discussed this in his preface.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And going back to, um, uh, Collins identifying particular Baptists with the broader reform community. Um, I'll just quote what he said here says, quote, albeit there are some differences between many godly divines and us in church constitution, yet inasmuch as those things are not the essence of Christianity, but that we do agree in the fundamental doctrine thereof, there is sufficient ground to lay aside all bitterness and prejudice and labor to maintain a spirit of love each to other, knowing we shall never see all alike here. So he wanted, and I think this is important to note that. Uh, particular Baptists were not trying to show their differences as much as they were trying to show their commonality with the broader reform community. Yes. They wanted to make sure that they were um, distinguishing themselves and not being in line with, uh, you know, church polity, infant baptism, um, the relation of state and church, things like that. Uh, But they wanted to show that we're, we're not, separating ourselves from our Presbyterian or Anglican brothers. We do believe that they, in the fundamentals, we are the same and we can unify around that and not be bitter towards them because of that. Um, I think that's important to note. And James Ranahan in the introduction quotes, "Well, it obviously refers to the true character of the doctrines it promotes, uh, and this is referring to Collins' catechism, it also identifies the source of those doctrines, the so-called Protestant Orthodox divines of Europe, Collins was making an emphatic statement, just as they are orthodox, so also are we, end quote. So I think that's important important to realize. um, And we know, and we're going to be talking about this in a later episode, but this um, alleged idea that, or this idea that uh, Baptists are not part of the Reformed community or Reformed Baptists are not part of the Reformed community, I think is really historically inaccurate. Um, And there's other reasons why there are issues with that. But I think just what we see here causes concern Um, for that type of view. And then, as Sean said, too, with the regulative principle, um, that was a a big reason for some of the changes between the Heidelberg Catechism and um, this catechism that Collins wrote, particularly in infant baptism. A regulative principle is that principle which teaches that if it's not commanded in Scripture as it relates to worship, then we shouldn't be doing it. Well, infant baptism isn't commanded in Scripture, and that's clearly part of worship, uh, so we shouldn't be doing it. Um, So he wanted to distinguish some of those things on on that particular uh, principle uh, that is given um, in Scripture. So I think those are just some side notes uh, to give uh, here in relation to what Sean said. But that's really a a high-level historical background of the catechism. Um, Obviously, there's more we could go into, but we wanted to just give really a a brief high-level overview of the background of the catechism. And I think that's important When you're trying to understand these historical documents, they're written in a specific time by specific people who had specific um, events surrounding them that influence what they did. Um, And so having a proper understanding of the historical background, I think, will help us to be able to understand the content better as we move forward. Um, So at a very high level with regards to the contents of the catechism, um, it's broken up into... Um, I think it's 11 chapters, and they all talk about different aspects of, um, of Christianity. So you have different parts that talk about man in his state before God, uh, man's redemption, uh, the persons of the Trinity, um, the sacraments, um, mm-hmm. baptism, the Lord's Supper, um, and some other, the law of God, prayer. And he also includes the Nicene and Athanasian creeds. Um, so we'll be going through this um, again. We're going to pick different chapters to go through. Uh, not exactly sure which ones uh, completely we'll be doing yet, but um, I think that this will this will be a good journey as we go through this and really help us sort of not only what particular Baptists held to, but we believe that this contains um, uh, biblical Christianity. That it's um, still a good but, teaching tool. Yes, it's still a good <laughs> teaching tool. Yes. We, you know, it's not infallible like scripture is. We don't hold it up to that for those who might misunderstand us. Um, But we think it's a good helpful tool, just like our confession is to guide us in understanding biblical truth and keep the boundaries where they need to be. And so um, we hope as you go along this journey with us that you'll learn. Um, Also feel free to ask questions in the comments. Um, You know, I have my comments window up here. I can see uh, when you comment on our stream, uh, feel free to ask questions. We can try and answer them as we go along. Um, you know, we're going to be going into some deep topics that are not going to necessarily be easy. So feel free to ask questions and we can try and answer them. Um, and we hope to, uh, we hope you'll benefit from our journey through this, uh, catechism. Sean, you want to add anything else?
1: Uh, I want to make, uh, at least a small correction before we, uh, we, uh, sign off. I sure. think I said that, um, that all nonconformists, all dissenters, were forbade from living within uh, five miles of any uh, town or city. Um, it's actually just the nonconformist preachers or pastors that were forbade by the Five Mile Act from living within five miles of a uh, town or city. Um, oh yeah, good so point. Small, small correction there, but uh, yeah. No, that, I mean
0: that's significant. It was yeah, you're yeah. right. It wasn't everybody. It was those who were actually propagating the the truth yeah. outside of exactly. Yep. Yep. Hey, yeah. Matt. Good to see you, man. Thanks for the heart. <laughs> Those Lannises, man.
1: I uh, love the Lannises. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I do actually want to commend to you, um, let's see if I can get in the shot, um, this specific version uh, with the introduction about the life of uh, Hercules Collins. It, it was actually very interesting, especially going through the persecution and uh, seeing how the Baptists... Uh, were treated and what they were still doing. They were obviously still, despite being persecuted, producing stuff like this. And that's a, a very good um, example for us as we go into a somewhat uh, uncertain future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Lord willing, we'll be back next week. Um, And we hope you all have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. God bless.